you. Uh, Heather just has something she, the Lord's placed on her heart. So we appreciate her doing things decently in order. God bless you. Hi. Sorry if I sound very Australian. <laughs> okay. Um, I believe God just showed me a vision. Um, that we will be a church of 10,000. We will be singing in the streets of Armadale. The song that we sang, oh, you know, who can be against us? We will be singing that through the streets of Armadale with strength. Now, when God talks to me, I often ask questions. I don't know about you, but I do. <laughs> so I ask, you know, how do, how do we get there from where we are? And he made it very clear to me. He said, you need to get your house in order. So that's, um, you know, one of the jobs that I'm currently doing with all the team. And it starts with our families. Through our families, yeah. we'll gather people through love. A long time ago, God did show me another vision where, you know, his light shone down in different families, groups, and that's where we start. But if we, we get our house in order here wow. and our house in order at home, mm. we will affect the people of Armadale to our church of 10,000. Sounds good. Wow. Praise the Lord. Ah, uh, dear, dear, dear. I am a reluctant leader. I'd prefer anybody else to do this job than me. Uh, however, many years ago, I gave my life to Jesus. It was a life that was a train wreck, and I was on my way to hell, and God intervened, and since then, I just say yes to what he asked me to do. Uh, I don't always like what he asks me to do. But I have found that he's been incredibly gracious and kind to me. Uh, vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18 says that where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint, but happy is those who uh, keep the law. So my wife has kindly led to me a bridle. There the reins. That's the bit that you put in the horse's mouth. Oh dear, smells like grass. And that goes over the horse's head. And there's been a number of times in the Bible in the Old Testament when God got really angry and stroppy with his people. His people. He got really stroppy. And his biggest complaint was when he got very stroppy, he said that they were rebellious and a stiff-necked people. They're a pain in the neck, stiff-necked. But the idea of stiff neck comes from the idea that in agrarian culture, or as my wife would know, or anybody else who's into riding animals, comes from the fact that occasionally you have an animal that you want to partner with to go on a journey, to plough the field, to do something like that. You put the yoke on them, you put the bridle on them with the idea of steering them. But instead of them being steered, you know, you pull on the left, so here I, I'll show off, Monique. If you're a Western rider, you pull it the opposite way. Yes, see, I'm smart, aren't I? If you're an English rider, you pull it the way you want to go. So it's almost like driving on American roads as opposed to driving on English roads. It's opposite what it is. But the idea is you're meant to be able to pull on the reins and the beast will turn. Yeah? And you're meant to pull the other way. Apparently God's people have wonderful ability we're actually not always responding to the leadership of God. We can do so much more together than we can do alone. 
In all my travels, I've never got on an aeroplane and flown out of Perth Airport and then about 20 minutes later into the journey to have someone say, uh, ladies and gentlemen, want to welcome to the flight, Qantas 705 or whatever. Uh, we're now currently flying at 36,000 feet. I know we're scheduled to go to Singapore, but I thought we'd just fly around. And when we are low on fuel, we'll find somewhere to land. <laughs> you would be most concerned if that's what happened. They have no idea. But the problem is, some of us are like that with our life, with our marriages, with our children, with our churches. And the Bible says, without a vision, you will not do so well. You will cast off the bridle. You will not yield to the harnessing effects of the discipline that builds kingdom, builds family, and builds community. In the book of Numbers, we have that incredible passage, Numbers 13 and Numbers 14, where they finally arrived at the uh, promised land. And Moses says to Joshua, pick out 12 of your leaders, Joshua and Caleb, and there were 10 others, and go into the land and spy it out for us. So they go and spy it all out. And they come back. And he says, yes, it's true. It's a land that flows with milk and of honey. And look at the size of the grapes. Look at the figs. It's a good land, but it's full of giants. And we are but, gra- but grasshoppers in our own eyes. And as a result of that, they failed to inherit the plan of God. A generation missed out on God's destiny. God can plan to bless true but we can miss out on god's blessing because of poor vision an inability to grasp the promises of god and it's not always easy to cross over from wilderness to the promised land we had a an amazing uh, assemblies of god uh, ministerial meeting the pastor jeff would tell us about the difference between wilderness living and the promised land living but here we've got in the wilderness you've got it's deliverance from slavery it's about deliverance from the oppression of the world isn't it about egypt but the promised land is about dominion it's about possession one is deliverance the other one is destiny for dominion in the wilderness you've got supernatural daily provision god give me bread today give me manna today give me water today give me my meat today whereas when you move into the promised land it's not so much that daily thing it's about the provision of the year one is needs-orientated ministry. The other one is a harvest-orientated ministry. The way they got their supernatural manifestations in the uh, promised land is through harvest. So that's different to going out and picking up that little bit of manna every day. You know what manna means, don't you? What is it? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> it's a big difference. Going there, it just falls there to out there. Now we've got to plow the ground. Now we've got to put seed in. Now we've got to water it and then let God do some supernatural deliverance on that. There's a situation where they had a worldview that they were grasshoppers. In reality, the Bible says that they were hornets. If you want to pick an insect, well, the sort of uh, insect you are is your hornet. And that the news of the children of Israel as hornets coming to invade the land put fear amongst the people. Very different worldviews. And I think as a church, we have really struggled with our self-image as a church. We've always been the first ones to put ourselves down. It's only Armadale. (laughs) And we actually have to change that. 
And it's our job to change it. We love Armour Day. We believe this is a place that God can rule and he can reign. Do you know the Great Commission? Jesus came back, he went to the cross, died for our sins amazingly, he was resurrected, he spent 40 days on earth, and the last thing he says to the disciples is this. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Then he's about to give a command. So he's actually standing up on his toes and says, guys, this is it. This is what I want you to do. I have it all and this is what you have to do. He said, therefore, go and play church. Therefore, go and have nice little services. Therefore, go and have nice little Bible studies. Therefore, go and have, it has all sorts of things. Well, we do all that stuff. But what, that, what does it say? It says, go and make disciples of nations. Jesus has called the church to disciple nations. Wow. It's a pretty big ask, Jesus. Jesus, you want us to go and discipline, disciple, bring a harness to the nation? Are you sure? Are you sure you've got all authority and all power? Because that sounds like a really hard thing to do. Yet, if you look at church history, wherever the church has been central to the word of God, has allowed revival to come, guess what happens? Society changes. If you haven't worked out yet, Australia's in trouble and the Australian church is in trouble. We are dying right now. Oh, thank God for churches like ours that can actually still say that we're growing. But overall, the church of Jesus Christ in Australia and in the Western world is in trouble. It's dying. And where it's dying is not so much my generation, but the generation behind me is not represented the church and the generation down from that is substantially absent from the church. Here's a fact, you know, just for the kids' sake, the church ought to stand up just for the kids' sake, just for the kids, just for the kids that go to our primary schools. We've got chaplains in this church. You should go down there and just see the fact that some our chaplains are giving breakfast to kids coming to a primary school in Western Australia, in our suburb, because they've got no food. One of the local primary schools, virtually every father in that particular school of the children attending, virtually every father is either in jail or is on parole, on release. Just for the sake of the kids, the church needs to stand up as one of the healthiest families around to raise up men and women of God who will father and mother those that are their own and those who are not their own. Because... We're in trouble otherwise, and the kids are going to reap the whirlwind. So look, it's a big ask, but Jesus asked for it. We are to disciple nations. Don't blame the city council. Don't blame the parliamentarians. Don't blame the education system. Don't blame anything. If you want to blame someone, blame the devil that's told the church to be quiet and to get out. Blame him. But the reason Australia is sliding to hell is because the church substantially is happy to let it happen because they're saved. And if you don't believe that, come to the next prayer meeting. 
Oh, sorry. Sorry, but it's reality, isn't it? So as one local expression of God's church in the city, we have a vision to be a leading church. The reason I put leading there is not because I want to be the front church. I have no ambition to be the best as a church. But I think we should be not the worst. I think we should be <laughs> leading the way somewhere, in the front of the wave, in drives. You know, Sunday Night Lights is an entirely experimental service. It has the potential of perhaps reaching hundreds and hundreds of people in our city. And, you know, we, we're trying to reinvent the way that we do things. The Church of Jesus Christ, capital C, is actually God's answer to the deep needs of our city. Do you hear me? We are the answer, together with other churches. But when we see, uh, you know, fathers, you know, losing it so they kill their son, we are the answer to domestic violence. We are the answer to drug addiction. We are the answer to substance abuse. When these people cry out in their moments of man and say, God, if there's a God in heaven, please come, do something. Heal my husband. You know, set me free from this cycle of addiction, whatever that might be. When they pray... God looks to the church as the answer to that. Mobilize, equip with love and with uh, the skills necessary to make the difference. God has no hands and feet apart from yours. Put up your hands. Say this with me. These are the hands of God. It's true. These are the hands of God. Look at your feet. You've got feet? These are the feet of God. Unless these feet go out there, they will never hear. And we know Romans talks about how beautiful the feet of those. I'm, I'm told I shout too much, so I'm sorry. So I'm sorry. The church is the answer. Sometimes the church is the problem. But the church is still the answer. And we're part of that church. He chooses you and me to bless in the name of Jesus, to heal in the name of Jesus, to change our schools in the name of Jesus, to change our workplaces in the name of Jesus, to change our police station in the name of Jesus, to change the, the Department of Child Protection. In the, we've got linkages and influence in all these areas already. God's already doing it. But it's our task to disciple this city for God's fame. We also want to do our part to partner with what God is doing in the world. God so loved the world that he sent his son. And so as a church, we want to send the son's life through the missionaries that we support and the activities that we do overseas. We do want to be a balanced church. Some churches are so focused on world missions, that's all they do. But at home, they're a little club. If they were to shut their doors, no one would ever miss them. But I don't want to be so locally orientated that we forget the good things that God's doing in the earth. See, I do think it's incredibly strategic. Dave Bolt said it the other time out in the foyer. Incredibly strategic. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 24, that this gospel must be preached unto the whole world and then the end will come. The largest unreached people group in the world that have not even heard the name of Jesus is in North India. It's amazingly so. China, yes, you can get the gospel. Yes, there's still villages that get to hear, but if you look at the world today, North India 
there are still about 500 people that have yet to hear the name Jesus. This church works directly with an apostolic movement that is exploding in North India and sending missionaries, releasing missionaries over and over and over again. This church has written the constitution that keeps that organization together and growing. This church has done the strategic planning. This church, where's James? James, you're here? James, you've been there. You've seen it, haven't you? We've sat down and had chai with these fellas, you know? Um, and these guys are at the edge. If they actually do, they're sitting there in churches now in North India. If they do it, we'll see Jesus come back. We will see Jesus come back in this generation. I think it's important that as a local church, we cooperate with what God wants to do in the world. So, yeah, look, it's just not a, let's not tip God when we come to our outreach offerings. We, we are releasing missionary nurses into North Africa, into the Muslim areas of North Africa where people die. But when a nurse comes into the village and heals your little baby of diarrhea or of measles for the few cents that I've sent in my Medimite, you can tell them about Jesus and they're getting saved. We, we partner with um, Christ for Children, Ivan and Jane Mills. We forget, don't we, just what they're doing, Neil, sometimes in the world. These people are releasing literally hundreds of workers to reach children because if Jesus comes back today, a lot of them are kids. We can't wait for them to grow up, for the devil to have their fun with them and get them saved 20 years from now. We need to reach the kids now. So I am passionately committed. One of the things we'd love to do is switch a little bit of our giving through increased giving into doing more locally. I would still love to have a Champion Lakes ambulance, something with wings on it, maybe get uh, Neil Fairbrothers uh, Chevy and do it up, run around. I want to be able to get out the comment news and see there's a lady who lost a home today because it got burnt down. We're going to provide them with the creeps to benefit. I would love us to have a place for domestic violence refugees, all these sorts of things. As we grow, it's my intention is why God keeps me as the pastor of this church, that's his decision, is that we're going to be an incredible blessing to the need in Armadale. So over the years, we've wrestled with the how and what does achieving a vision like this in a church like this. Even yesterday, our board met, blessed them, to assist me to get some clarity in my own thinking. And we believe that it's best expressed by a very simple little sentence. It's so simple, most of you are going to say, oh, okay. All right. So can you look excited? <laughs> we believe that what God wants us to do, the way that we'll do it, is by adopting new people into God's family. Now, the reason why we like that is, one, is it's something we can actually do. If we want to, we can do this. We could say we're going to have the best praise and worship in the world. Well, that's pretty good, but I don't know if that's something we can do. Or it could be we're going to have the best preacher in the world. Well, that's certainly not possible. <laughs> we could do also, this is something that we can do. And if you understand the Bible with debt, then adoption is the high point of the gospel. It's more than just salvation being set free, free, it's more than just deliverance. 
It's about the fact that God takes us home and puts us in his family. We love this because it's also not about us, because God's family isn't Champion Lakes Christian Church. You see, God's family is his family. So we're happy to invest our lives into someone maybe a year or two years, see them get established, and for them to move off somewhere else. We're actually happy about that. That suits our vision. Um, it's also a really good thing to do because it teases out, I think, the heart of what genuine Christianity is. Because it's not just attending a service, taking down the notes, making certain that everything's doctrinally correct. It's actually about a heart response, isn't it? We can say, love God and love others. It's brilliant, isn't it? It's brilliant. That's the simplicity of the gospel. That's actually a bit harder to do. Actually, I'm quite good at loving God. That's a pretty neat space for me. It's people I have a trouble with. <laughs> you know, people in general. Loving people is a core part of the gospel, isn't it? Hmm? Well, three people think so. They should call people the gospel. And it's not meant to be fake, is it? We are meant to love in word and in deed. So it's thoroughly biblical. And it also addresses the consumerism that's destroying the Western church, which is I'm in church for what it does for me. I want Mac church, you know, drive in, get my sandwich, upsize it to a, you know, proper seat, you know, get my uh, cafe latte on the side and stuff, and then I go out and I don't do anything. I might give it some money. It's a problem that's plaguing the church. Church is now competing for more style, more light, more this. I think we just need more Jesus. We are committed to this because it will produce growth in Mike. Mike will have to learn how to love people. I know, I know. It will build us, it will train us, it will facilitate discipleship. It gets actually to the heart of what church is really about. People connecting with people to reach people. I am very grateful to the emerging team of people that we have at all levels of our church right now. We have a mature and developing board to new frontline ministries to the operations team and so many are really engaged and I feel it's a great privilege and also a great responsibility to lead you with clarity and consistency, I'm always very conscious of my shortfalls. But over the next 12 months, we're going to intensify our efforts on preaching and teaching. When you look at Mike as an individual, if I have a strength, it's probably in preaching and teaching and not song leading. Argue with me, please. <laughs> Um, so I'm going to try and actually even be better at what I do. I am currently doing my master's with Nigel. I study. I work very hard on what I do. But I'm going to try and even get better at that. So we're going to try and make that a real strength in our church. And, of course, we also want to focus on children's ministry because specifically we want to reach the next generation. Um, look at me. The reason why we have a play centre is for strategic purposes. It's not just because it's cool and I thought it was a good idea. We are intentionally trying to reach the young families moving into Korea waters and to all these new little suburbs and Byford and stuff 
And we think that may be useful in reaching them. Oh, a couple of people did. Uh, children's ministry, we really do. Uh, we're just amazed you know, with, uh, we have a great children's ministry, but I want to continue to see that as a great emphasis in our church. We want to build families. I'm doing, next weekend, we're doing the Sound of Music. It's not a church service. It's just for fun. It's for fun and family. There'll be no alcohol and we'll just have a ball. No drugs and we'll have a ball. Um, pastoral care, we want to get really good at connecting ourselves with each other. Worship, we do look for those encounters with God and outreach. We do want to see us continue to be an outward-focused church. We do not exist for us. If all we did was for us, I reckon we should shut the doors and go join Perfect Christian Life Centre. They've got a vision. We should, shouldn't we? But while we believe God wants us here for this reason, then we need to exist for others, not for ourselves and own enjoyment. So we want to draw down our prime days, which is engagement. This is a biblical mandate to do life with others to change the world. It's biblical. We want to engage you and me in the task of touching people's lives. It's not my job to do it. It's our job to do it. It's biblical. Enthusiasm. It's the biblical mandate to be spirit-filled and serve the Lord with zeal and gladness. Oh, dear. I am trying. (laughs) And encounters. We have a biblical mandate to preach the word in the power of the Holy Spirit. Great preaching is useless without great verification and encounter by God. We want to have magic moments. You know, the, the language is corny, sorry. But we want to create a moment where you and God can do business with each other. Whether it's just to say that you love him or he's going to say, I love you. Whether it's to challenge you, to give you a vision dream, whatever. We want to create the opportunity for that to happen. Every Sunday, you don't know, I, I'll have a look at, I'll have a look at you. And it really worries me, those who sit here in the service and there's no engagement. I know some of us might be more private while we have the lights down. But I'd love there to be something going on between the two of you. Now, there's something wrong with a married couple. They go out on a date and they don't say anything for the whole uh, evening. There's something wrong, isn't there? Huh? <laughs> there should be something going on. All right. In his seminars, the motivational speaker Zig Ziglar uses this illustration to show the importance of setting goals. He says, I have only shot a bow and arrow a few times in my life, he says, but I can guarantee you today that I could outshoot the world's best archery marksman in the world. I'll bet any amount of money you want, $1,000, $2,000, $10,000, I will beat even the Olympic gold winner on one small stipulation. Before he shoots... I can blindfold him and spin him in a circle seven times. (laughs) You see, if there's no target, we'll never hit it. I think all this is great. We need to know where we're going. But ultimately, we we just got to obey Jesus. Preach preach the word in season and out of season. Love one another. uh, Commit. But we can't do it by ourselves. If we will all get into God's harness, 
Firstly, it comes with me. I've got to be open and obedient to the Holy Spirit. And then if my leaders will get in behind that, and if you can get in behind that, there's awesome power when the people have a mind to work. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6. So the people of, the people of Israel, they came to the promise. There was a time. They were led out of Egypt, pillar of fire, cloud, miracles, you know, the angel of death, the plagues, Mount Sinai. It's all pretty good stuff. And then they get to the place where they need to cross over. They've got to cross over Jordan. Then they get a two reports. They get the reports of Joshua and Caleb. says, hey, it's good, but we are more than able to take them. I love that attitude, don't you? Oh, there's the other 10 guys saying, oh, look, there's giants and all the rest. But there is a time to cross over. And may the Holy Spirit help us as a church. Can I use that word? In its full sense. As a church, not as an organization, but as a group of related believers, a family of people related by faith who have joined together, who believe that God's called them for this season to serve with their time and their talent and their treasure in this place. Is it our time to cross over? Thank you. That's the question. Because we'll either cross over in faith or we'll turn back in fear. So may God help us. So, Father, we do thank you. Lord, I do pray that in all my words there would be the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, you would just settle us in that, Lord, before the very foundation of the world, Lord, you had a dream, you had a purpose, Lord, for every one of us. Lord, Ephesians tells us that, Lord, even before the foundation of the world, Lord, you had created us for good works. Lord, we have a destiny upon our lives. And yes, that involves um, careers and jobs and marriage and family. But, Lord, it was more than that. It was to build this thing called the church of your dear son that one day will be the manifold wisdom and glory of God to the ages. The unsearchableness of your wisdom and your grace will be expressed through what you've done in the church. Lord, we do pray that, Lord, you'd guide every one of us. Lord, for some of us, we shouldn't be here. Lord, we should actually be somewhere else. Lord, we should be where you want us to be. And, Lord, uh, there are others of us here, Lord, and that's also where you want us to be. Lord, help us to walk across the room, talk to the stranger. Lord, talk to the person with a different skin color, find out their name, where they come from. Help us, Lord, to hug an old person when we're young. Lord, to perhaps hug a young person Lord, when we're old. Help us, Lord, to be family. Family, Lord, that knows what it is to do the good times and the bad times. Lord, a family that can be relied upon. Lord, when we're struggling, when we're weak, when we fail. Lord, because that's often many of us. Lord, let this be a functional family where there is love and acceptance and forgiveness, where there's grace. And Lord, that you'd so pour your life and power and purpose into us that we would be a blessing, Lord, to our community here in Armadale, and Lord, overseas. Lord, the next time our local member rings us up, 
says, Mike, can you help us? Lord, I always want to be able to say yes. Lord, you've so far, you've granted us the ability to say yes. Lord, yes, we need wisdom on that. Lord, we thank you for Southside Care, Lord, the incredible impact they've had and all the changes there. But Lord, we don't want to stop. Lord, it might be different, but Lord, we want to continue to build. Lord, I pray for vision. Lord, Eli became blind towards the end of his days. And Lord, uh, the word of the Lord became scarce as a result in the land. Lord, give us eyes to see beyond just payday, beyond just our next birthday, our next anniversary, our next event, Lord. Help us, Lord, to look to the horizon. Take us to the mountain to see the north, the east, the west, and the south, Lord. Help us to see what you've shown Heather this morning, that, Lord, there is no limit in you. And, Lord, you can actually bring an influence to bear that would be an, an amazing blessing to this community. Lord, should you ever grant it that would have a, an impact of that size, Lord, we could change schools overnight. Lord, we could plant orphanages overnight. Lord, we could feed communities overnight. Lord, we would have an ability, Lord, to shape resources in a way. And Lord, we make a promise to you that we'll put your name on it. Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. May you, the whole world be filled with your glory, we ask, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Um, yes. You may do that, Francis. Thank you for doing everything decently in order. Really get a sense that we are on the cusp of something that God is, is going to do, and it's going to be absolutely amazing, and it's going to just really amaze us all, I think. Um, Deuteronomy uh, 11, verse 10. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drinks the water from the rain of heaven a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season, the early rain and the latter rain, that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil. And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the thing that scares me is that there was no problem with God wanting to bless his people, was there? <laughs> the lamb was there. He said, I'm going to give it to you. You just have to go get it. Well, I didn't. <laughs> it's all there. So uh, thank you so much for journeying together with us. Uh, we love you guys. We're going to see some awesome things happen in life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, it is really important that you do. Uh, you get to heaven by being born twice. Uh, you're here today because you got born the first time. Yeah? Hello? <laughs> you remember mum and dad was there at the time? Well, certainly mum was. 
To get to heaven, you actually got to be born the second time because although you, your body and your soul were born, in my case, 50-something years ago, my spirit, thanks, Peter, my spirit needs to be born again. There's a part in me that is immature. It's where my dreams, my imagination, what's really me. It's mixed up with my personality, but there's other sides of it. And until you are born again, you cannot have contact with God. You'll read the Bible and it's like, this is horrible. I just don't get the begats, you know, begat, 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 begat. You will just not have any contact. You'll pray and there's no one up there. Um, the moment you are born again, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and he actually makes you a child of God. You get born again in your spirit. And then you open up the Bible. Oh, God's talking to me. You pray and God answers back. Life comes. So you actually have to be born twice to get to heaven. Jesus said in the Gospel of John that uh, unless you are born again, you cannot even enter the kingdom of heaven. So most of us in this room, we've actually done that. We've actually come to Christ. But if you don't, uh, haven't done that yet, just maybe everybody, if you just have a private moment, nobody looking around, if you could just bow your heads. If you don't know Jesus Christ in that very personal way, you may know about God, you may have heard Bible stories, you may even have a lot of knowledge about God, but you actually don't have that intimate relationship with God where you know that you're communicating, then I just want to give you that opportunity this morning to say, I'd really like that. I'd really like to become a child of the living God. And so I'm just going to ask you, can you just slip up your hand where you are? Just put it up and I'll see your hand and, and put it down. We're not asking you to come out the front. We're not here to embarrass you at all. We're not even asking you to join a church. We're asking you, do you know God? And would you like to meet him today? Just look over the congregation. Just give you a moment to think about it. I'm going to give just a couple of minutes to someone who's a pastor and love to become a Christian. Pray for them. Three, this is your chance to thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I'm going to ask the team up. I've gone a little bit longer. I promise I'll be short next week. Series, yes. So I'm starting a new series next week on the book of Ecclesiastes. Great book, but why is it in the Bible? We'll find out as we start this great series. Under the sun, on the rock. And I would like to do that same song again, thanks. It's a great vision song. And so uh, whilst there's a corporate capacity there, you need a vision for your own life, your marriages. Yes, sir. We didn't do the offering. No, we didn't. God bless the offering. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so bad. I would love to be able to run church without money. But I can't, so sorry. <laughs> Bless you if you've given online, if you've your box at the back. Bless you not after your money, we're after your hearts. Let's see, it costs you more, doesn't it? So this is a song about vision, isn't it? I explained it last week. This is based on Matthew chapter 14. Peter's in a storm. The boat's going under. There's fear. Sees Jesus walking across the water. And Jesus says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And he gets out on the water. 
And guess what? He starts to take his eyes off Jesus, starts to drown, but then instantly Jesus' hand is there and picks him up and rescues him. It's a great song about walking in faith. Let's sing this together. And, you know, if you don't have a clear vision for your life, why don't you come down the front and I'll pray with you. We'll ask God to give you vision. Jesus. 